0: welcome back to another episode of thought behind things uh, when he found out that we can potentially have a conversation with him i was very very excited for two reasons first of all to actually i think pakistan one of the things that i'm very interested in is happening in academia. i think one of the um, uh, again, We have a huge youth population. We have a we have an incredible po- uh, potential uh, for for the future. But then, Pakistan, where we're not necessarily um, skilling and upskilling and and teaching uh, you know a lot of our youth um, enough things to be able to utilize that potential fully. And so, I really wanted to understand how does academia work, um, and and you know uh, how we can utilize it uh, for a better future. And then I thought, you know, who better than to have a conversation with the most premium university in Pakistan uh, and the vice chancellor there. With us today is Dr. Arshad Ahmed, who is the vice chancellor of Lump Sir, thank you so much for being part of the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I will start my conversation ko sa start karunga <coughs> trying to understand your early life. Where were you born? And your early life, I was
1: born in Karachi, raised in Karachi,
0: studied in Karachi right up till uh, college. Um, school schooling and uh, What were these years? I mean, I'm trying to sort of visualize uh, growing up, you know, what was it like?
1: Yeah, so it was the sweet 60s. Right. <laughs> At that time, um, I was very fortunate that my father happened to work for an international company. Mm-hmm. They offered scholarships. I got one in the Karachi American School. And uh, when the company decided to leave, so did the scholarship. So then I right. moved to Karachi Grammar School, lucky enough to get in there. But it so happened that my all of my uh, um, uh, family members had gone there. So um, right. I, it was not that bad a transition. Uh, so I did my O's and A's in Karachi Grammar a- School. And what year did you graduate from high school? I graduated in 1976. Wow.
0: And that was... <laughs> I mean, so I mean... <laughs> Not saying you're old, but <laughs> it's interesting because I've never had a someone from A levels <laughs> as far back. I've had it probably a late eighties as well. Because Pakistan, an evolution from FSC to A levels, <laughs> it's became more sort of democratized in a way. But but this is very fascinating. What was Pakistan like in the in the seventies at the time? Oh my gosh, it was so different. I mean, both from the population
1: standpoint, demographics. Just the way of life, it was mm. very different, very safe, clean air, water you could drink from the... Well, not exactly from the tap, but in some places you actually could. Um, at least in Lahore you could. Wow. <laughs> my sister went uh, to NCA uh, here, and so we'd often come and visit her. And uh, mashallah, she's done very well, may have heard of Nujan Jaan Bilgrami. So uh, she's right. my elder sister. And so, you know, we're all in the family very proud and
0: happy that... Pakistan gave us so much. Yeah. Uh, wherever we were. Very interesting. And in sixties and seventies, do you think I mean what was the feeling at the time? Because I feel like uh, when I recently I was watching a video, just the sixties and seventies, and watching that video, it almost seemed like a I dreamer okay. You know, you know, if you're doing all of what we're doing today. I, I'm excited to imagine that 50 years later in 2020, you know, we are doing Was it the same for you? I, yeah, I think, you know,
1: that dream hasn't really changed over the generations. Young people dream, they are, the, you know, they want to do the impossible. They believe in themselves as the saying goes, you know, youth is truth. Yeah. And so uh, I think I was like anyone else. Uh, but uh, also very confused uh, at that age you know you're 17 18 you don't really know what you want to do in life i knew one thing though that i was curious about everything and uh, not sure where which road i would take certainly not academia was not in my uh, horizons you know in fact i was a pretty average student i wasn't excelling in anything really that much except i was very much interested in history in the arts uh, you know uh, maybe a one-sided brain a little bit at that point in time. But um, I must say that uh, I was inspired by so many of my colleagues who were also thinking, big, you know you want to go where your friends are going. This is a, at that time a lot of people were going overseas. And then it so happened that uh, the Olympics were taking place in Montreal in '76, and I did have family there. And so my cousin invited me and said,. Although I had admission in the UK, uh, in the School of Architecture of all the places. <laughs> <Achha. Were laughs>
0: G- you, because were my you...
1: brother-in-law, who's an architect, uh, was also a very important figure in my life. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to be like him and followed, but I had no idea, really. And I didn't have the science, physics, and that kind of a background, probably to be a good architect. But I had my sister's side of... Uh, being inspired by art
0: and design and that really uh, uh, got me thinking in, in various different ways um, What was the process at the time? Because there is no internet and there is nothing else so when you were applying did he apply from Pakistan or did you didn't have to go there? Yes, Pakistan and the clearing
1: of Beirut was in Beirut Okay, you did visa from Pakistan? Yes, I didn't get the visa from Pakistan and my brother was going through the direct he also was applying to a university in North America. And he was going through that and he was stuck. You, you know, he was a year ahead of me, but by the time his visa cleared, we were in the same uh, first year of the university. Interesting. Uh-huh.
0: And, and so, so you ended up going to Montreal. You didn't end up going yeah. pursuing the architecture program. I did not. Yeah. And what program did you end up pursuing?
1: Well, this is also a very interesting thing. Uh, now that my father isn't here, I will give him all the credit for insisting that you have to choose something where has to be secure, like most parents, you know, doctor, lawyer, uh, uh, etc. Accountant was what he had inside for me. And I said, I don't even know what this is. And I don't think I'm a real numbers guy. I don't know if I'll do well. But I didn't really, truly didn't know. I said, sure, if that gets me out and he'll pay for the tuition, then I'll do what he says, <laughs> which I did. Uh, so that was the so you did hardcore
0: account- accounting from there?
1: Well, uh, hardcore in the sense that I did accounting and finance. So there was a complementary subject there as well. And then uh, also got uh, interested in international business. So those were three areas I tended to look at. Right. And
0: that was a four-year program at the time? Yes.
1: Um, yes. Concordia University? Concordia University in Montreal. Yeah, it's one of the big ones. Uh, interestingly enough, Montreal maybe uh, has even more students per capita than boston and so it's a sort of a university town you know four Ajay. or five huge universities with
0: now students of exceeding 50 60000 in each one of those so very young also uh, in a way a majority population but young logon a culture us very problem. multicultural log, se, you know more
1: like a mosaic than a Sort of a melting pot model that you had in uh, the US. Makes sense.
0: Um, and before this, were you traveling internationally a lot? No. <laughs> you know, uh, my first trip was to
1: Islamabad on the basketball team. <laughs> it's the first time I sat in a plane.
0: <laughs> this is one of your first experiences. When <laughs> you yeah. And,
1: you know, I was the first one to leave in the family. And, um uh, You know, we weren't from any. uh, We we were from a modest uh, family. Had to make sure that we um, uh, sort of stood on our own feet. Parents encouraged education very much. Very grateful to them, Um, and the sort of perseverance of sticking through a program, uh, I largely attribute to my father and mother, who said, "Whether you like it or not, once you sign up, complete what you have to do." And so that meant, you know, if you wanted to um, sort of have some pocket money and do other things, then you had to work. And I did from the get-go. Acha, gee, What sort of work? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny now because my first job was as a store detective in a grocery store. St- store detective? <laughs> <laughs> what that meant was that you had these mirrors, you know, usually in a, in a store. So my job was to look that no one
0: was stealing. And, I think uh, this is the pre-CCTV era, essentially. Ah, pre-CCTV. Right? <laughs> <So>, Technology. <laughs> so, essentially, you had to be there throughout and consistently keep a lookout. Like, it's a it's a security guard position except yeah, you're guarding the, the merchandise, G- essentially. G- guarding the merchandise, occasionally doing the cash,
1: and then learning inventory and doing all kinds of mopping floors and doing stuff that you had to do.
0: So, sort of a handyman. How was, how was that experience? I mean, you know, you grew up in Pakistan. <coughs> you know, middle class, keh lein, upper middle class, keh uh, but generally with a safe security net. Right? Like uh, yeah. then you go and you know, ke, yaar, mujhe ek X amount tuition mein hai, and then a Y amount, jo hai, wo mujhe hai. otherwise, <coughs> you know, I'm out on the road. I mean maybe not not out on the road, but yeah you know things stop versus jab rahe, nah khana khana and and i don't know minus 15 minus 20 degree centigrade yes yes, uh, so yes that stuff right so what what was that what was that experience like and how do you think that shaped you as an individual well it helped
1: a lot because i think uh, you know the distance between obstacle and opportunity it depends on how you look at it right? Um, Some people think the distance is too vast and they just, you know, get stuck in the obstacle and others travel towards the opportunity. And I always found myself to be opportunistic in the sense of trying to make the best of what I had and uh, kind of uh, just roughing it through as much as possible. And then my brother joined me, so that was good living with him. We really got close in those years um, and did a lot of things together. But I was always curious about uh, acculturation in learning from others around me. And Montreal offered the best because it has uh, both languages, officially and otherwise. Um, and you also have a lot of uh, immigrants from around the world, especially in the university setting. So I had a chance to get involved in societies and, and doing extracurricular activities. So that, and sports, that was big uh, for me, uh, including um, winter sports. And, you know, minus 15 suddenly doesn't feel like minus 15 if you know how to skate or ski or uh, even. So you did a lot of that. GGG. I I tried. I mean, (laughs) not that I'm any good, but, uh, you know, um, uh, you you can think of almost uh, any winter sports and Canadians have got that down pat pretty much. And they enjoy it. And and that's how we go through the winter.
0: Very cool. Um, So you graduated in 1980,
1: I would say. Uh, Yeah, I graduated in 80 and then just the way the semester worked, I I got right into the MBA program.
0: Right, from Um, the same
1: university? No, no, to McGill then, from Concordia to McGill University, which is a beautiful campus right in the heart of the city Um, and uh, uh, lived very close by. Um, uh, and
0: did uh, two years of that, which is where I discovered what I'm going to be doing for the next 50 years. And so what was the thought? Because uh, a question for a lot of students when they're graduating, do I go for my master's immediately? And for a lot of people in Pakistan, generally the thought is, so, so let's just apply for a master's that we think may be something that we might want to do. Just like you mentioned, you know, it was yeah. during the program where you finally Found your direction. Yeah. Uh, but but in a lot of ways, for, for for people in Pakistan, it's a way out as well. Um, and that's when they begin to then build their careers. Uh, but you were already out. Um, and so uh, generally my And I speak to a lot of uh, friends there. generally the average age of people pursuing masters in the US and Canada is a lot higher than yeah. the average age of people pursuing masters in Pakistan. Mostly because people in Pakistan tend to pursue masters, and no, masters. Kar um, and so, in in your case, um, what was the thought, Ke Chaji, I've just graduated, you know, I, I instead of maybe you could have been looking out for a job, maybe looking out... Was it an option?
1: Because I was on a student visa, and at that time, you didn't get the grace period of working. Uh, when you finished your studies, you had to back. go back. Interesting. Um, but other than that, you know, the requirement for work experience in master's degree, especially in business programs, has increased over time. At that point... You didn't need to have two or three or more years of work experience. So that's what happened over time. Uh, But uh, I would also say that, uh, um, uh, you know, the expectations employers have of a degree, whatever it might be, has also changed, you know, because access to education has increased so radically, especially in the West. Canada is a good example. It among the OECD countries, it has the highest rate of access. So almost uh, two out of three Canadians have do college or higher ed, which is an uh, immense number compared to say other countries that we yeah, know about. Yeah. Right? So
0: again, supply is very lot so you have reconcile demand. Exactly, yeah. exactly. One is this, right?
1: And uh, uh, the, the other thing is now, I think employers are literally beginning to look at masters as the new bachelors you know, uh, just because so many more people in the system and also the quality issues as well, right? So that too has changed quite a bit Makes over sense, the sir. decades. So
0: what was your thought at the time? Uh, okay, okay, graduate. <laughs> okay, was it purely a visa issue?
1: That fact, there was a factor, but the bigger factor was being an accountant. Don't forget, my I right. made a promise to my father and my parents that I will do what they wanted me to do. What I learned, though, in my concentration was this did not excite me. Right. I did not feel, I did not think of myself, wow, I'm going to now go and work in a price waterhouse or something and do these audits and, you know, not my up or become a tax specialist or something like that. Yeah. But I, I hung in there. I did my diploma in accounting after the uh, MBA and, uh, um, uh, you know, did the exam and so on. And once I did that, I said Dad <laughs> I've got the degree <laughs> I've got it, I'm going to do what I want <laughs> right. And you know what At that time, even though it seemed like hell uh, I hate to use that word But mm-hmm. it was very difficult When it doesn't to Although my brother, uh, Elder brother had more interest in accounting So I was kind of also piggybacking with him mm-hmm. You know But But um, I'll say that many, many years later, especially in the job I have now, Mm. that degree was invaluable. I read balance sheets and income statements and all that stuff. A lot of colleagues in academia can't. So this has proved to be, you know, things you do and apply yourself, you may not think it's going to help you then and there, get the next job or your passion or whatever. But if you stick through things and you practice and you learn, if you're open to learning, they do come back. One way or shape or the other,
0: right? And so you, when 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 you begin to pursue uh, a career that wasn't in accounting, and what was the first job? (laughs) Well, I like many other people, I had no idea, right? You know,
1: and then after the masters and this degree, again the same question: student visas over. Well, we were a little bit creative, and we uh, decided to raise some funds, mainly through our family, <laughs> and said, aap so And uh, we'll start a business, and then you can get a green card, or, well, the equivalent of uh, uh, immigration, right? So that's
0: what we did, and... Rest and, and so you guys went into hardcore business. No, it
1: was all on paper. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not what we wanted to do either.
1: But that right. was the only avenue at that point in time to fast track your immigration or you get back into line. Because if you had a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and you had a business plan, the government would welcome you. Right. Uh, this is what I learned in my MBA. <laughs> so right. that's what we did. Right. um but it was all on paper and then you know the
0: doors open and then you could really think about what you wanted to do right and 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 when did you like kis point on upar degrees diploma final kiya so this was i'm talking about
1: 1982 okay so in 82
0: i was at that crossroad makes sense and then so 82 18 that's when you essentially joined academia or did you have a i
1: joined before? i you see what happened was it you know you have this uh, sort of uh, uh moment in your life where some sort of a uh, an idea or um, you see a window that is a sort of a threshold in, in the way you're going to go next, right? right? It's sort of a milestone moment. For me, it was, I was working uh, as a research assistant for a prof. Right. This is in 81. And she was young. She just had come from UCLA. She, she, was, uh, she hadn't even finished her PhD, but she was like the kind of person who was doing work that really excited me. So I said, can I be your RA? And she said, oh, all right. And I was lucky because was a big line up there. And, uh, and by the way, we are still friends. So All this right. is one of my lifelong friends, but it started then in 81. And uh, she had to go off to uh, France to give some presentation. And she said, teach my class. I said, but uh, I, mean, I don't know how. I, I don't even know the subject that well. It was cross-cultural management or skills management or something. And um, she said, no, no, I'll help you. You, you can do it. Uh, so when I walked into that class, uh, I thought this is something amazing where you can have so much impact, so many people. And I was very junior. Remember, I was yeah, like yeah, yeah. the peers in front of me. But uh, it, it sort of, there was, a, there was a, a seed planted and that started to blossom. in, in 82, when I had the opportunity to uh, get uh, a full-time work at McGill, I just grabbed it.
0: So you've been in academia all your life then? All my life, yes. Yes. Wow, and what was the position at McGill?
1: Oh, you know, I was one of those lecturers. um, So I had a contract, like an adjunct, semester by semester. Then they liked what I was doing. Then I got a two-year contract, three-year contract. Then I started moonlighting and teaching everywhere else. I just love teaching what do you mean by moonlighting uh, what moonlighting you're not supposed to do work <laughs> other than the one institution you're full-time employed in right but i was i had so much energy and i wanted to learn more about other institutions so i'd teach in a
0: college if they asked me to right. or i would teach a night course somewhere else so that was the moonlighting makes sense and 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 i know that during this time you you started your phd as well when no, was no i did not Ajah. interestingly enough so that continued for
1: almost a decade um, right. or a little bit more. And uh, even though my s- sort of first evaluation of teaching was not good, although I thought I was great, but my, you know, my chair pulled me over and he said, uh, I want to speak to you. I thought he's going to congratulate me on my evaluations. He said, yours are the worst evaluations in <laughs> the department and you need help. Oh my god! That <laughs> so I was something. crushed. You yeah. know, this was a big failure, which I thought was going well, and I was so interested. And you had no idea. I had no idea. I thought I was great, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously the students didn't. And even th- so, can you imagine the distance I must have had between my ego yeah. and they're telling me that, hey, you know, you think you're great, but you need to really radically reevaluate yourself. Radically self-care. reevaluate. to so, I was crushed. I thought. Maybe this is the wrong place. I've chosen the wrong career. Mm. But he was a good chair. Mm. He encouraged me and he thought, learn from this. I'll give you another chance. Uh, just like the time I failed my first finance course. Mm. So I, uh, you know, I ended up becoming a finance professor. So the first finance course that I wrote an exam for, there were a when you calculator and. not. Right. That was the tool to have. We have Hewlett Packard or Casio divide. So, I was on the I was on the side that calculator <laughs>
0: right.
1: तो थे थे तो थे I, got, I did well on the questions I, attempted, but I didn't pass the I exam. I Again, it was looking in the mirror and saying, "Is this the area you're going to you know, spend many, many years in?" And the answer was, "Well, <clears throat> if it's important enough, then double down and do what
0: you have to, to do well." And subsequently, I did. Interesting. And so Java Ki Evaluation. If I were to ask, what was, what was the weakness? Oh, and the reason why context. When we talk about teaching, more often than not in Pakistan, you know, we're looking at almost any and everything from your profile to, um, you know, the researches that you have and, and really how decorated you are in your CVS. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. what you think and what the students think is a social element. है. Uh, you know, as humans, humans have to teach humans, and so what is the social element? There is no translation, it is a lost story. Um, and so, teaching seemingly is one of the easiest profession If professionally, they came to the they to they 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 University kar diya, aur transition mein wo kar. So it seems like yaar, kuch na, teaching kar do, because it's just so simple when in actuality, I think it's one of the most difficult things because That's otherwise right. it, you have a step by step that you have to do on a desk. But here you have like 50, 60, 70, depending on the size <laughs> human beings yes. with very sort of unique uh, uh, ways of, of connecting with you. Yes. And so I think it's it's a very difficult uh, uh, profession. And so in your case, what was really the weakness um, that they were really identifying, and that you had to work on? Excellent question. And it's a question that we
1: repeatedly we uh, now ask our our peers and our colleagues now in in uh, the developmental process that we want everybody to be on to improve. In my case, the three things came out. You know, first of all which i can now call the curse of content Okay, hai breath yani har cheez jo maine kitab mein wo sab padhani hai wo to ghabra gaye ki ye itni sari cheeze hum kaise seekhenge aur ye is raftaar pe ja raha hai you know it's like a bullet train right so i think i was just leaving people behind thinking i'm doing my job covering all the content uh, well uh, maybe you should think a little bit more about depth So that was the first thing. The second thing is that, you know, introductory students, right? uh, Students who are taking courses for the first time when they're introduced to a new domain or discipline, really, really, I think those are the most important courses by the way, right? Uh, And they're most difficult to teach because you're basically persuading people that this is it
0: this is the area you've been thinking about. And in a lot of ways, they don't even know whether <laughs> they're interested in it or not.
1: Yes, exactly. It, absolutely. You yeah. know, it's the unknown, unknown factor, right? Yeah. So uh, there are models of intellectual development that I learned about subsequently. But one of them is that first year students, novices who start off with a new domain, think very black and white. Right. They want the answers. They want structure. It's right or wrong. You know, so it's a, it's a low level of intellectual development, right? But commitment be low hota hai. Mm. So if you measure on the axis of commitment and intellectual development, you're sort of very low on that graph, right? Mm. Hota ye hai phir ke jab aap unko time zara zyada, you know, when you spend more time on talking about higher level orders of thinking, not learning, but thinking. Mm. So when you start thinking... Uh, knowledge sirf nahi darein balke aap unko apply kar analyze kar
0: So really, the, 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 the times about critical thinking develop yes, kar Yes,
1: we yeah. are going towards critical thinking, and even beyond critical thinking, creative thinking. Right. Right? Uh Imagining. That's ultimately, you know, everything you imagine is real hmm. uh type of thing. Yeah. So on that trajectory, what I was doing in the classroom was giving a lot of ambiguity, which was happening in my own... Uh, head yeah I couldn't connect the dots I was a young teacher right? right which is what most young teachers do they crush the content and they themselves can't connect the dots mm-hmm. so everything appears to be very discreet so these people were evaluation you confuse although ambiguity is one of those things you purposely introduce at a certain level of development where you want people to say if I or you know, relative thinking uh, and the what-if scenarios and all that. And then, you know, to have that kind of rupture in your own mindset, that you believe in something of how you learn, but then you sort of see, well, there's another way to do this. You get all shook up. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you wake up sweating at night and thinking, ye hoga? Mm. but everyone goes to, through that yeah. in different ways, right? So, that juncture ayatha. Jab, I think either I was creating anxiety among students Hmm. or creating disruptions that they may have appreciated later, but then they were mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. (laughs) Right? And I think the third thing that didn't help me at all was that I really uh, misused my time with them. You know? um, How so? Well, learning just doesn't happen in the classroom. Most learning actually happens outside the classroom. Classroom में तो your and, and flip learning के मायने यही हैं कि जो हम boring stuff class में पढ़ाते हैं, जो you know knowledge content stuff है, वो पहले दे दें. Classroom में गुफ्तगुफानी चाहिए. Classroom में सवाल-जवाब और वो problem solving जो वो खुद नहीं कर पाते हैं, उनको उनके साथ करें आप. तो फिर ज़्यादा लोग सीखते हैं. तो ये चीज़ों natural environments तवज्ज़ा नहीं दे रहा था. System like they are in a theater again that's not the learning model of the 21st century. That's a very one way you know kind of open someone's head and put knowledge in there. Uh, that's not how human beings learn, but it's a model that uh, was dominant
0: and in many cases in Pakistan it still is. You This is a critical juncture in which you sort of uh, uh, switch kiya evolve evolved. And, and how long do you think it took for you to get out of it? <laughs> a
1: long time. Yeah, it, uh, it was a process of, you know, when the theory of expertise, for example, a lot of literature on that, it was a 10-year rule of uh, mastery. You got to practice, whether you're a tennis player or whether you're a chess player, it doesn't matter whatever your domain is. Mm. You know, whether you're a broadcaster, you've got to practice, yeah, right? 100%. And you learn through practice. There's a practice effect. There's time. There's shortcuts. Nahi hai usme. Mm. So um, uh, I think it's the same with teaching. You have to put in your time. And the time only is going to be productive if you're reflecting. Good teachers reflect. Because they'll if not every Time nikalna hai ki sochei kya hua tha, kya kiya tha, kis tarah ho sakte hai, ya kis mein mujhe Or, mm. uh, you know, if you're not having the reflection loop, then you're really not learning. Right. Because th- that's the feedback loop. It's the internal feedback loops. We all have them.
0: Yeah, and but I think it's not exclusive to, to um teaching. Yeah. I think it's exclusive to any area as long as you are looking to do something impactful. Uh, Absolutely. I think that's really the death of uh, human development. Uh, This was a finding actually in many leadership studies that have been
1: done. Like what makes a good leader? Mm -hmm. That's reflection. Deliberate reflection. So um, it took me a while to learn this craft, it is a craft. I think good teaching is something you learn. You're not born with. Some are, but mm. very few. Do you think anybody can <clears throat> learn to teach? Absolutely, anyone can learn to teach. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. Even those who cannot speak. I know teachers who teach with their mouth shut. Deliberately, by the way, unkis, they have a voice. Yeah. But they ye yeah. dekha ek was a very colleague at Queen's University. actually taught law. And he said, I teach with my mouth shut. I said, how is that possible? Yeah. And in a law course, how can you do that? Yeah. You know, it not hai." He says, my theory that we ask students a and then ask themselves. And that's not so selfish. When you ask questions, they're silent. They know that you'll answer them. try by the way. you and five apply five-second rule. Yeah. jab uh, sawal puche aur 5 second ruke koi na koi zarur bol dega ha uh-huh. lekin hum foran jawab de dete the
0: wo ek right? awkward sa pause aata hai, toh, then someone, someone's like yeah, hey, yeah. maybe aisha <laughs> i need to speak yeah you want
1: to break the silence right yeah, yeah yeah so actually silence is a pedagogical tool right but in his case what he was doing is he wanted to empower students to make use of the time hmm. together so he would provide a lot of structure before class, but during class, they had to manage the time. They had to manage the discussion. The wake bus, he said, I used to bite my tongue. I wanted to say, but every time I said something, I was taking that space that he wanted them to develop. Yeah. He'd give them lots of feedback after class. Right. So there's a lot of out of class stuff you can do. And you know a lot of students in their formative stages, the number one thing they want, many studies confirm this, they want to spend time with faculty. Mm-hmm. Not just office hours, what will happen They want to know, they want to learn about they want to careers, we have a huge role to play. I mean, what a privilege to shape a young person's journey. Mm-hmm. Who else gets that? Yeah. So, I I've got this gift
0: and uh, what am I going to do about it? Interesting. Um, PhD, what was the thought behind it? Was it like a, again, was it a more thoughtful response to your teaching journey? Or was it more like, honestly, Pakistan, mein ma, to I find it very weird that uh, academia is a sort of uh, setup where you're like, in a very sort of black-and-white way, the HSC sort of popped in and they were like, master's for learning, a PhD for XYZ, and then <clears> there's <throat> a sort of system hai of how you grow in that. Theoretically, which makes sense in a very simplistic way, yeah. but more often than not, what that does is that you have people with absolutely no real-world practical understanding of how things happen, and they're just in 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 this weird race. Because I graduate, i to complete my master's. Again, like I mentioned before, people who are so so 100 people who graduate, 95 would end up getting a job. That means they were, or you know, they had the right sort of skill. And then five wouldn't. And then they would decide grades, understanding. Let's go for our master's. They go for their masters, now they're 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 with a master's degree, they go back to the job market, they're still not getting a job, but now they have a master's where they are the five out of hundred people who can actually work at a university and they end up teaching as as, as a profession in a lot right. of universities. Right. And so the students, more often than not, are condemned in a way to the to the worst possible person to teach them because the 95% yeah. Who could potentially have taught them are are of officially kept out. Yes. Um and so personally, I have a, a huge problem with the way that, you know, I've studied in a Pakistani university. And um bohasari areas I could see that there were instructors. Critical thinking, creative thinking, because I think at the heart and core of the Pakistani education system crisis is the are these two things you know, subsikha they unko up, skills sikha, de, aap unko knowledge. Samki de de. Hmm. But the foundation of critical thinking and creative thinking, nahi ho ga, to it all really goes down the we way. Could
1: say I mean I think you're identifying system factors, which is really the way to look at this problem. You know, um I think one of the big mistakes that was made here was to have a two year bachelor's degree. Hmm. You know, only in nineteen ninety two that changed, right? Uh, until then people were not getting 16 years of education, the rest of the world did. So mm-hmm. how would our youth go and apply anywhere with half a degree?
0: Yeah.
1: No one was letting them in. So ekto and Lums was the first, by the way, that introduced the four-year bachelor's program. Right. Despite all the uh, naysayers and yeah. so on. And the five-year law program, another innovation from Lums, Jovobi mm-hmm. against the non generally. Ha. Ha. B-A-L-L-B. So I think you know that qualifications are not coming. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, and my own experience, I think, uh, at least gives a little bit of insight that you know, it can also work for uh, a PhD, can actually uh, help you uh, in understanding um, you know, the kind of depth and command of the knowledge that you need to have and contribute to it. Now, that depends on the PhD program. (laughs) So you can have good programs, you can have those where you're basically getting a piece of paper and you still don't know how to read, write, question. And there are lots of PhDs, not just in Pakistan, around the world who are going through those motions. But if you look at a quality program, and we do have quality programs here, we just graduated 100 PhDs from science and engineering. I think they're quality PhDs. so, you know, in my own case, what happened was that I was teaching finance. So, and I was teaching it now for a good 10, 12 years. I was nationally recognized for my teaching. I got this award. I don't understand, but they're saying, no, you're one of the 10 Canadians to win the national award. So, TK And then I started coordinating that program. So I was meeting 10 new teachers around the country every year. I did that for 10 years. I learned so much from those people, right? The direction I wanted to go in was not more finance because I didn't want to publish in those journals and I wasn't strong in mathematics or I wasn't a physicist. And those were the kind of people who were making these models, financial modeling, derivatives kapura idara You know, and everyone and their uncle wanted their kid to go into banking or finance or something in those years. Dharmjana said I
0: wasn't a math guy and I wasn't like physicists.
1: Yeah, engineers, in physicists, finance. nuclear scientists all going into finance. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the, what's the uh, uh, connectivity modeling. there? Mostly it's quantitative reasoning, modeling, scenario planning, You oh, know, uh, uh, pricing, market efficiency. All of these are areas where you're calibrating information into right. decision-making models. Risk mitigation, for example. Interesting. So it's interdisciplinary in that that Absolutely. I I mean, I think all subjects are, we just create artificial boundaries and make them one discipline, but actually everything's connected. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, uh, watching a a beautiful painting is not going to help my cognitive skills in diagnosing radiology x-rays. Actually, there is a connection. Mm -hmm. People who do that, become better radiologists, right? Right. So we just have to learn how to connect those dots and learn without these boundaries and borders, which right. I hope to talk about
0: in a right. moment. Right.
1: But here, what you have is um, uh, you know, an opportunity for me to say, okay, what do you really want to do? You're in a position now. And, I, and I, the more I was learning from these teachers, I said, I've got to learn about learning. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know a single theory of learning. Uh, I award national I brother, you know, mm-hmm. so, I <laughs> so naturally for me the program was uh, psychology and human learning and that's what i did uh, right. cognition instruction and especially computers in education. So, and you did, did,
0: did that from McGill as well? Yes,
1: so that was like 12 years after my master's.
0: Right, right? and that was purely for a learning outcome? Purely. Because and I ate, this would give me a tick mark for, for maybe a position. No,
1: no, it was not for that. I already had the tick mark. I had a job, I was in the biggest finance department, I was earning well. I didn't need to do this, Right. I was doing fine. And I was being invited to teach all over the world. I had, a, I had it pretty well. I had to had to be, you know, growing also as a father. But there was this burning desire in me to learn about learning. And then I found the program. And, uh, you know, normally people were graduating in six years from that program. Utna time been 4,
0: 5,
1: 6 PhD. i 4 Mm. Job. I took a year sabbatical. So the, it wasn't because I'm super smart. It was just, I was motivated. So, you know, you can't stop a person who's motivated. Mm. <clears throat> and that's the question for our young people. What's going to motivate you? If you don't know, it will come, just give it a chance. You don't have to know right now. And this idea that, you know, parents say, just go with your passion uh, I don't think that's good advice, mm. frankly. Passion is something that you have to take out after experience. It, it's not sitting there. Yeah. Guitar that's my passion. So, i puri, puri zindagi guitar bacha Uh Maybe, most likely, aap that ke do million or log aap hi ki soch mm. So, good luck. Mm. <clears throat> right? So, those choices we make at certain points in time and it happened for me as a natural progression of my curiosity, rather than I need more money or I want another position or anything like that. Makes sense.
0: When did you PhD? Finished in 1999, near 2000. And then 2000 to 2018, that you were still in Canada to, uh, G, in the same area. <clears throat> no, then I then I had this whole new door open. Now you
1: know when you finish a PhD in another domain, but you're in a another department. Mm. In fact, all my colleagues were saying, you don't do this because you don't do this. No one will give you a permanent job here. You will never go there. No one does this. Then if you don't go there, then you won't go there. You have to do it. So I did it. Then you're up for what we have a process for tenure and permanence.
0: So what happens is after you finish your PhD. Um, sorry, tenure me a little bit about tenure. I mean, <coughs> I have a rudimentary understanding of Ji. from pop culture. <laughs> But uh, what is it? What's, how does that work? And is, that, is the same system in Pakistan as well? Or that's more yes. of a North American thing? No, it's in
1: Pakistan as well. Uh, you can call it permanence if you like. So, you know, uh, most people in every organization are contractual employees. Okay. Right? But in the case of academia, what's different is that after 16 years of your education, and then you add another six maybe for your PhD, Right, so you've done 22 years of academic training. Then you have to prove yourself to your colleagues that you know your stuff. So you get hired on a tenure track or a permanent position. Right? And it's an eight-year window for that to prove yourself. Okay. Eight after 22 years of formal training. Eight years of proving yourself? Or you can prove No, Right. में ठीक लेकिन उससे काम बहुत हैं। थीक है ठीक ठीक है और प्रूविंग के क्या मायने है उसके मायने यह कि आपका आपने जो एरिया चूज किया है आप उसमें हो जाए और खुद ना सिर्फ ना हो, दूसरों को भी महारत दिखाए you have to supervise students, you have to lift other people. you have to do service, you have to teach you have to do other things too But your primary goal is to prove yourself as a scholar. Right so it's not just you know having a quantity of articles. Some people may write just three articles in six years, right Some people may write 40 articles. depends on your area and other things. Some people may write one book, right disciplines key norms and standards. So we accommodate all that, but it's all excellence. You have to excel. Mm. Now, more progressive universities said that this is a scholarship. you're doing integrate, apply, you're doing scholarship. But you scholarship So this is very during my lifetime, that equally, what was seen as uh, something subsumed under research, was teaching, uh, that's a teaching excellence framework. So, آپ انویٹ کرتے ہیں، کریکلم بناتے ہیں، آپ نے لوگوں کی زندگیاں بدلی ہیں، آپ کمیونٹی میں سرف کر رہے ہیں، you know, you have impacts. Right? Right. So, uske agar aap standards banai, and if you achieve those, you can get permanence in that as well. تو ہوتا یہ ہے کہ پہلے تین چار سال peers جو committees hai, wo aapko feedback ki, aapki progression کیسی ہو رہی ہے؟ اس journal میں آپ سوچیں یا if your midterm review successful, mm. then you go ahead, and in your sixth year, six and a half year, you submit your portfolio, mm. and then you get, you you get it or you don't get it. Right. Um, and we leave a year in case you don't get it. The person has time Can to reapply.
0: transition to another place. Oh, so if so, I mean, if they if the tenure is missed, you're not continuing there anymore. <laughs> not in that institution. You have to leave. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. That's so it's a pretty big step. deal. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. And that's why, you know, scholars tend to be rather isolated, sometimes disconnected from other things. And that was the model of, this was a sort of Humboldtian model, you know, of progressive universities after World War II. But things have changed now. You know, we're finding that society is telling a lot of academics, don't sit in your ivory towers. There's... Too many publications coming out. We can't keep up with one discipline, let alone interdisciplinary work. And what about the big challenges we are facing as a community or as a society? Are you addressing those? Mm. Right? So if we start channeling those expertise into domains, some of them overlap, some of them are interconnected, um, and start putting disciplines by, side by side. Mm. <laughs> you a If you economics, padhate, main political science ya main history, hon, wo physics, else. we you probably have a better chance. Right? So this is interdisciplinary work. And there's multidisciplinary work. And then when you think of transdisciplinary work, which is sort of the... Uh, you know, Continuum Pay, it's the most integrated of them all. You're also working with industry. Oh, okay. you're also working with other organizations outside public, private government, right? So when you start integrating, learning as a whole, you know, that makes it a, a, a much bigger space for creative, critical, and not just policy work, but actual work that is implemented to change lives of society.
0: Makes sense.
1: Um, so that's the model we are going with at LUMPS. I wanted to sort of yeah, give yeah. you a heads up on what we're, we are trying we're, to we're do. We're going to
0: quickly transition to that. I just want to have a sense of two things. Um, I mean, what were you doing right before you were coming to LUMPS? Oh. Um, and uh, what made you come to LUMPS? I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, spent your whole life in Canada, academia globally, I mean, in a lot of ways, I know that you probably aren't paid more here. Um, I also know that it's not a, an easier job. Um, so what was it that, that I'm going to relocate thousands of miles um, to 16 thousand miles to a place where I <laughs> was numbers. a long, long time ago um, and, and I'm going to do this. Uh, why Why did that happen? Yeah, so the first part
1: of your question, what was I doing before, um, was, you know, I've always been an academic, right? Identity was of a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, scholar, and, and uh, you, you know, someone who tried to intersect with other parts of society as much as possible. So I would be out there working in organizations. I did a lot of volunteer work too, a lot of volunteer work. Um, having done that, I was never an administrator. I never saw myself as a department chair or head or dean associate dean or any of those positions on the ladder you know let alone uh you know rector vice chancellor or provost or anything but as it happened uh, a university in hamilton ontario which is outside of toronto uh had a position opening called vice provost learning and teaching mm. directly connected to your phd essentially well, PhD you know, nahi, puri ha, ha, right. <laughs> you know, I've been going in that direction yeah. th- through whatever criss-cross way that I did. Yeah. And I said, this position actually exists. Actually, it was uh, the second position like that in the whole country uh, at that senior level. So, Vice mm-hmm. Provost is pretty much up there. And I'd never been any of the other things. So, someone said, why don't you apply? I said, this ah. is not getting to die. So, there's no administrative experience. So it worked out. You know, I got the position and I had a chance to see how the university functions. Mm. I got a chance to see how administration works. You know, those hated administrators, those people who are branded as the corporate types and just ki khal nikal dete, was not like that at all. In fact, the university is very different from any other organization that all the administrators, uh, most of them at least, are academics mm-hmm. themselves. They are the chair ban uh, uh, Professors, They dean, you have 3 years, 5 They are the provosts, vice chancellor, are lifers, hai. <laughs> so I learned impact I learned about impact that the impact I was having as a teacher uh, in my discipline or even some other disciplines was still limited right. I could have more impact and that drove me to take on this position and uh, lums hey you know pehli baat ye hai ke, how can you not uh, remember uh, your formative years and you know give something back for the gift that you received so Pakistan was my gift yeah. it was where I, I, I grew up you know it's not just khana khanah, mahal culture it's also it's where I learned yeah. the most you know so it was natural for me to come back uh, uh, even though my family couldn't so and they still aren't here this That's is my hardest year. challenge i'm alone here yeah for this is my fifth year oh wow so that makes it tough but uh, it uh, they understood you know my kids are grown up yeah they're doing their own thing in fact we said You're not going to make us empty nesters. We're leaving you.
0: (laughs) 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 Who's going to pay the rent? (laughs) Interesting. But that's how it worked out. But but did they reach out to you or did you reach out for this position? Uh, It's funny. I came
1: here. uh, My sister's here, as I mentioned to you. So I was with her and then they asked me to give a talk here. And I think I was kind of roped into uh so hey, one, thi- it's one happening. thing led to another sort yeah, of... Yeah, uh, and then I applied, of course. Uh, uh, and they said they are at the tail end of finishing their search. They already had shortlisted people. So I was late in the running. I got squeezed in there. And I just spoke honestly about what I think I can do here.
0: And I said, this is what I can offer. Okay, so I'm going to uh, sort of switch the conversation. I want to understand you, you've been here five years. Um, tell me about LUMPS. What was Lums like um, five years ago when you were here, uh, and how has it evolved over time? What are some of the um, areas where you have tried to? Because I have ab jitena bhi koshish karnayen, 16,000 meel door, in jo nizam hai, wo differently evolve kar versus what you were used to. First of all, but also in a way you There is a cultural social context uh, And so what what did you find when you came here um, and how has it evolved since since then Well one way to summarize it is uh, two words
1: Hidden Treasures, <laughs> yeah, it's are so um, best-kept secrets, hein, which uh, I thought uh, were so exciting for anyone, whether it was me or anyone who would take this kind of position on, that they were um, uh, at a stage, such a young university, I mean, in the scheme of things, it's, at that time when I joined, it was uh, 31 years old, right, <clears throat> and we just celebrated our 35th anniversary, And in 35 years, if you look at the trajectory of uh, other young universities, they don't have a comprehensive uh, five schools, all having their own trajectories of amazing growth. So unfortunately, Lums is known as a business school. It's not a business school. It is one of five other schools, although business school being the oldest has produced some of our greatest alumni. Mm. And it is the only accredited, uh, AACSB accredited, internationally accredited business school in Pakistan. Which has been a mixed blessing for lums because when you get good at something, then people want your prized faculty and they get offers you can't compete with. And this has happened. Right. But um, I think if you look at science and engineering or if you look at our biggest school, Gurmani, Humanities and Social Sciences, these are three big schools. Mm. uh or inone zabardaskam kia or isme it chupewe uh you know gems are there mm. that it was a, a time to refocus on faculty, to look at governance systems that would sort of get them away from the administrative aspects of work and focus on what they're really good at, push the boundaries, work with each other, so many collaborative opportunities. And uh, you know um, start looking beyond our own neighborhood and and think even beyond Pakistan you know how do we position ourselves in the next 35 years so we're a household name in say South Asia and Central Asia and not just in Pakistan yeah Uh, and not to forget that we have a school of law also fairly nascent and a very young school of education which is now only four years old so there's yeah. a,
0: there's an education program as well now Oh yes,
1: yes, yes It uh, has two MPhil degrees And uh, undergraduate minors And it's probably going to have the most impact Of all the schools Just because you know the education sector here is uh,
0: <laughs> I mean it's just a Wild west
1: Or yeah. wild frontier yeah,
0: yeah. That uh, remains and to be unlocked Also I mean an, inc- an incredible opportunity uh, mm-hmm. Considering the young population Many earlier you mentioned Geetri yeah. um, It's generally often ignored in Pakistan um, but I think just like food security potentially is one of the most important areas <coughs> jo yes. hit wale waqt yes. climate change bahut important area yes Mujhe lagta hai right there with climate change and food security education is a ticking time bomb and if we don't fix it yeah. Um, yeah. you know we're going to have an a, a huge population of people that could either be our biggest assets or could be the reason for our demise Right uh, yeah. They're gonna eat you up
1: essentially I mean education is a, You know um, If you If you think back um, Every country that has prospered Has focused on developing Their educational sector Because it just has so many multiple benefits For everyone It's an mm-hmm. equalizer in mm-hmm. so many ways And it it's a sign of maturation. It's a hmm. sign of uh, uh, people uh, uh, thinking beyond their, um, you know, jobi. Unki unko opportunities mili So I uh, I think in this regard, uh, the areas that you mention are critical in focusing our educational efforts on those very areas. Climate change is on the minds of uh, the generation here. Uh, younger generation than it was say, in my time. Mm. You know, I mean, we never thought about that, Yeah, frankly speaking. And young people are far more invested in thinking about practical solutions. They want answers. Right. They are not just uh, going to be okay with uh, agitation or, uh, you know, just uh, protesting. They are getting involved in the very discourse of uh, what is it that uh, needs to change for them to be able to uh, do their parts mm. right so uh, climate change is one but so as you said food security agriculture mm. has a lot to do with water and its yeah. management that is connected to climate change too yeah and the way we are tilling our soil uh is a dead end uh, you're just going to run out of productivity in terms of uh, land being given up for development yeah uh, and the Agricultural practices are not following the 21st century techniques that are there, which can think about regenerative farming, right. which can think about uh, uh, lower carbon footprint, can use more devices uh, to uh, monitor, eliminate pesticides and all that stuff, you know. Which do do is you what think we're there's, doing. there's work
0: happening on those areas in
1: Atlums. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, before you go, I invite you to go to our cricket field. Behind that, you will see there are four canals of land that uh, are a uh, uh, center for water informatics and technology called WIT. What is the engineering school? This is although it's under electrical engineering, is the guy who's leading this, Dr. Abu Bakr Muhammad. But if you look at his team, you're going to find computer scientists, bioengineers, eco- economists, even an anthropologist. in Okay. So, they're this milk. It's a multifaceted problem. It's a multidisciplinary problem. Mm. And they have experimented in two seasons with the wheat and, and the rice mm. and have produced the same yield as a small conventional farmer with zero pesticides, one-third the water mm. consumption. So, their cost... Uh, bahut kam ho hai. Mm. Hi rahi hai. And they're using this uh, uh, embedded, ye jo, uh, uh, kya you know, instead of tilling the soil, yeah. you have, uh, uh, you plant in a different way, you use mulch uh, to feed and regenerate with the uh, natural ingredients from the ecology, but rather than chemicals and so on. So, I mean, uh, fertilizer
0: use is, is, is lowered as well?
1: Or? Yes, yes. Um, unke input costs kam ho gay, And they're using solar to power. They're using drone technology to measure. All kinds of devices are there. You'll see it on the field if you go out oh, there. I'd love
0: to see that. Uh,
1: and they, if they can scale that up, can you imagine yeah. the impact? Yeah. So, uh, uh, this is energy. Isko na bhule. Hmm. That's the biggest, biggest uh, uh, threat to Pakistan is our power sector, mm. right? So we have circular debt. It's an, You make a decision today, it's going to affect young people 30 years from now. right? right? And we are stuck with the problems people made decisions for many, many decades ago.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: So the Energy Institute here, only four years old, has written numerous reports that have gone to Uh, The federal government, they are in the Planning Commission, they are on the Prime Minister's Committee, they are on every single, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, national body that has to do with power, they are advising them. So they've given them a series of reports. And those reports, a most conservative estimate is that having made implementations from their recommendations, the government is saving a billion US dollars, dollars each year for the next 10 years. That's pretty high impact. Another billion they can save if they implement the remaining recommendations that are underway. And tangible things are coming out like the electric vehicle policy. Guess where that came from? Mm. <laughs> but we want to be behind the scenes and guide and give policy recommendations. So if you see an electric rickshaw that is now on the road, made at lumps. With a South Korean company six new startups have come uh, along this uh, in this uh, area of uh, uh, two wheelers, three wheelers with a swappable battery. This is a new concept, right? So you eliminate uh, time spent in regenerating and Mm -hmm. they are more economical. And the cost of the rickshaw is equivalent Mm -hmm. to the cost of a regular rickshaw. (inaudible) So <inaudible> financing. With,
0: without the ta-ta-ta
1: sound. <laughs> <laughs> gee, 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 <laughs> like. it's so silent. I mean, I drive an e-bike around the campus, so I'm right. always on a little motorcycle and I can sneak up to people and they don't
0: know how I'm coming. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um <clears throat> couple of things. I know that you guys have an, have a very interesting NOP program. Yeah. Um and I was speaking to someone uh, you know, I graduated from FAST and back at, uh, in the days they had a OSP. Sort of similar to the NOP program that was with the ministry of science and technology <coughs> um, Government funded, you know, I, I spoke to someone who was part of that program and graduated with from there And we didn't expect from government to expect that you know a great ka program run But unfortunately that's over now There mm-hmm. different universities in place This is NOP program, hai. Yep. is this also partnered with the government or this is entirely uh, localized Private LAMS effort. We don't get a rupee from the government. Achha.
1: We don't get any subsidies. There's a private institution, but it's a not-for-profit. Every pesa we make goes back into the university. Mm. There is a foundation where we try and build an endowment so we can stand on our own feet. And being sustainable and standing on our own feet is one of our long-term goals as well. So, you know... Uh, you hinted earlier when we met that uh, uh, young people are concerned about rising fees, yeah. right, and tuition, and rightfully so. Because it's not just fees. It's every single thing in front of us now is more expensive, right? Uh, whether it's onions or tomatoes or you name it, uh, yeah. gas or whatever, the essentials are, our inflation index, they're all shooting through the roof. And then there's currency, then there's other... Uh, areas which are really affecting people in a big way. Tuition is a part of that, right? Right. Every family would like to see their children go to a good university. And unless it's a public university, uh, and there are many private universities in the 230 we have in Pakistan, you know, um, you have to think about, well, how are you making room and giving access to people who can't afford it? Before we talk about high tuition we should talk just about access mm. and to me access is one of the fundamental obligations a university has especially if you have quality programs to give every talented person everyone who can meet your merit standard should be given that chance mm. uh, not be uh, you know um, uh, uh, they discouraged from uh, whatever barriers they may have socio-economic or otherwise Now NOP you can take the all the talented young men and women in the country who are um, maybe from a family of six that's the average size of a family in the rural areas maybe more unki something like 200 dollars a month okay now you can't get a edu- you can't get any education for 200 dollars a month right so if we can go to those people as, and set that as our standard, mm. okay, we are going to give everyone from at least that level, not just a tuition waivers, tuition scholarship, mm. but we're also going to prepare them so that they have an even chance to get in here. Mm. Also to room and board, transportation, living stipend, the whole nine yards for all four years or five years of their education. Mm. So that was the idea of the NOP program 21 years ago. Right. So we 170 Villages, towns, cities, districts, all over the country. Team Jati. We are on a talent hunt, to be very honest. That's what we are looking for, is talent. So we go through boards, we've established relationships, we tell them that this is possible if you want to learn. And you have shown that metric fsc mein aap achak uh, academically kar sakte hai. if you can write sat exams which we will help you to prepare so wo 13 14 16 18000 log jo apply karte hain hamare nup ke liye unme se koi chand hazar ko hai, on our expense right do teen hafte ke So, to unko acculturate karte hain unko bolte hain hai, ki bhai dekhen is life is very different from yeah. what you might be accustomed to yeah it's ed yeah. You know, although women and men, uh, uh, dog, it's a residential experience, which is also unique. Half of our students, half of our 5,000 students live on campus. Mm. So we will stay with you and if you can uh, cross that bar, you, you can come here. So that's one level of accessibility. Okay, and we are taking in now for the last 21 years, one-tenth of our intake, which is about 1100 students, 1200 students now, who are NOP students. students. Right. And NOP students, the experience? What they have done 21 years? What has mm. So what stories i tell you. 3 hours more. Mm. But i can give two, I'll give you 3 examples. CSS exams. I think the last count was 17,000 people write the CSS exam, Mm. 2% pass rate, Mm. 40,000 apply, 17,000 write. Number one, number two, number three, LUM students, number one, NOP student. Mm. I mean, that's a big deal, you know, and if you look at all the people going into our civil service, a lot of students don't run away to banks. This is a myth students This is like a visa office. Lums, visa liya yeah. Brain drain. Not true. 17,000 hazar hamare, alumni 11,000 Pakistan. 6,5-6 out of it. And okay, ho not out of it? jate go to study, they go to write, जाते jate careers. They go Right? So, But, what about the ones who don't need the NOP full board, but what about the ones who need up to 100% of their tuition? So that is one out of three students at Lums. So there's another you know, misperception Lums is for the rich kids. Mm. One third of them are coming from very, very challenged socio-economic backgrounds. Mm. This has something to do with how do we deal with access? Hmm. So usik hotakya q karam ye koi not trying to win awards, although we have <laughs> on these counts, it's because you know we want to gain strength from diversity. It's accessibility ka dusra is diversity, tisra hissa is inclusion. So if you want to be an inclusive uh, university you want to learn from all of these people coming from these you know Pakistan I mean it is um, I would say one of its greatest attributes is that it is 70 languages mm. so many cultures you to university one of them is was in Taxila, right Udar Kistaraki Chuke. you know, this was the corridor, the Indus Valley was the place, and the mountains was where they came, including Alexander the Great, you know. Whether it was the Moyans or the up, you know, historically they came what kind of uh, breeding this area has had. Uh, we are rich, culturally, so rich and we learn from this diversity, we embrace this diversity, and we must make that as one of our top values to guide this university. So when we start talking about tuition, I like to think of it in ways of accessibility. And yes, I mean, there's an old maxim, you know, that you get what you pay for, Mm. right? Now, if the thought is we are taking in money to give more salaries, well, actually, I think one of our competitive disadvantages is that we don't pay enough salaries. We say, if you want to work in a university, you're doing it for reasons other than money. Mm-hmm. But at some point, faculty have to pay for rent, for their children's education, for their kanapina.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If we don't good salaries, we'll then someone will mm-hmm. So quality automatically?
0: Reduce quality
1: quality yeah. is a function of faculty. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, if you don't have good faculty, you can forget about making all the nice, shiny rooms you want. Mm. And there are so many of them in Pakistan. Mm. You know, the, every time I go, faculty, mm. you know, it's not that uh, people without PhDs can't teach, which was your earlier point. I think they can. Mm. But they are not they have other jobs. Mm. They do full time work. Mm. You know, they have they're professionals or they're doing other things. They don't give time to students. They don't understand the university system. Yeah. So you get you get some who are very good, but uh, your differentiation is done through people who
0: are hardcore truly academics.
1: Hardcore academics, but hardcore educators. Yeah. People who want to learn and want others to be better than them. That's the goal of an educator. That if I'm a teacher, i You know, maybe you won't do that in four years. Maybe six years, maybe ten years. But sooner or later, these people who we are graduating are coming back and we are learning from them. So I think our tuition, uh, yes, it has gone up. And it will probably go up again. Mm. But then, you know, if we don't do that, we have to cut some of our programs. We have to cut some of our scholarships. We have to cut our growth pro, uh, plans uh, and we have a lot of plans. Mm. So we want to, you know, if we're going to go international, we better stick to our strategic uh, directions.
0: Makes sense. L- let's talk about the growth programs. Pro- programs, Gee. And uh, I'm going to bring in a couple of things. came whenever there's an institution, but an individual, when a certain point, I'm going to end. Pe I started the podcast two years ago and I had some goals that I had to do this and I had to do this kind of conversation Alhamdulillah, I had to do I got the access I began to get the knowledge and so I was able to pretty much tick mark most of what I had planned um, and these days I really I'm looking inwards and I'm thinking what's next for me and for, for the platform? And mm-hmm. so, I have to say that I have to say that if I am able to do this in Pakistan, I should be able to do this in the region, and through that, I should be able to connect my audience as well as the region to Pakistan it's two dimensional. So, when I talk about the region, I will talk to the region in a way inside Pakistan, or Pakistan inside the region. Right. But it's so. Now, I have to say that 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 you know, sort of laterally, Or what's ho and <coughs> how do I help others grow to build similar platforms right. and 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 you know, ecosystem build. two ja different strategies. Hai. Main, agar is, isi ko ke karu. I think Lums has achieved that excellence, um, undoubtedly. I don't think anybody, and even indicators, awards, all of those things say that say the same. So, I two outcomes. First, it's clear Lums helps. Actually, three First, <laughs> Lums helps fix the broken system jo Pakistan mein hai, mein bahut sare hai. so if you can do what you're doing at Lums, you can theoretically do that for let's say five other institutions and then 15 other institutions and 50 other institutions sure. whatever the mechanism could be for that collaboration ye nazar aata hai if Lums can do the same for 5,000 students through digital intervention and so on and so forth it could then begin to do the same at least not on the same scale but on similar scales, for 50,000 people, and then 500,000 people. and You mentioned Central Asia earlier, and South Asia earlier, and I actually went on your website, and I saw it was very fascinating, and I never, didn't imagine it, but there was a panel for international students, and historically, I've heard, that in Punjab University, from Africa, from Middle East, we've heard that in Pakistan, historically, universities mm-hmm. Afghanistan uh, has been a common feature But obviously last, while I was growing up um, That thought was never there, you know yeah. We go abroad Yes Bahar se Right mm-hmm. um, But then Wohi wali baat Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and so many other mm-hmm. Within the mm-hmm. same region mm-hmm. Central Asia to Right Agar benchmark so Thought laterally I can't grow further so I'm going to help others yes. direction direction I mean is this it for me is this it for me as a podcaster right. is this it for you as lumps or do you scale up and then begin to attract the, some of the best minds from Central Asia and, and and South Asia, and then eventually Africa, and so on and right. so forth. Particularly right. Africa, I think there's a huge market there. Sure, sure. Um, so, what's next for lumps, and what's the thought behind that direction?
1: Yeah, those are two uh, or three really good questions you're asking because I think those. Are, this is really what we've been focusing on the last few years, in particular, about thinking about the future. And, you know the first thing you said about, have you reached your limit and now are you going to sort of be more collaborative or are you going to become bigger? Something like that. I, I think it's the, the answer has to be in collaboration, not competition, not becoming bigger. We don't want to be a big university. We don't even want to have another Lums in another city. Why? It's because of the reasons we talked about, you have to have a core number of faculty and it's easier said than done to just theek hai jagah kholi imarte banali phir kya karenge aap log to agar yahan mushkilat ho rahi hain to phir aage kaise you you can't think in just in terms of buildings and uh, brick and mortar but what you can do is uh, imagine collaborations that really have a high impact i'll give you three examples okay aur ye abhi hua hai jo aankhon ke samne ab ye prakat nikal rahi this is what you about very uh, about digital learning. I mean, the whole world is not going there, it's there. All the big companies, all the big uh, uh, you know, organizations have digital platforms. They're all platform-based, right? So you can get anything and everything through platforms. So if you don't think about building a platform for education, you're going to be left behind uh rest of the world already has by the way whether it's coursera or edx future learn khan academy ek ke baad ek examples hain iske yahan par kya ho raha hai yahan par ab ecci mein jaake puche to wo kehte hain ki dekhen humne coursera se deal ki hai unhone hame we gave them a billion rupees and they gave us access to all these courses well, well i think we already had access to the courses agar wo free mein bhi de rahe hain ab ek saal guzar gaya kitne universities ne wo courses istemal kiye and how many universities do uh, क्या they become part of the core curriculum or part of their, you know, how they integrated. And, and the results aren't good. So there's no reason. There's a reason. There's a problem. So we that, and why don't we learn from the best? Uh, there's this is not yesterday's model.. right So the first thing I did actually in 2018, I recall, is I invited a colleague I was very fortunate to know, who has built a course in Coursera, which is the most subscribed course in the whole world.: Acha. Uh, over two and a half million have, people have taken her course. Wow. One course. More subscribers than any course that you and I in many lifetimes would never be able to teach. She's done it in a course. She made it in her basement. She said she went to Walmart and she got some equipment. Within $500, she made the course with her family members as props and actors. Her name is Barbara Oakley, and the course is called Learning How to Learn. Abu Khudi's title कि लोग सीखते कैसे हैं हां यू करना पड़ता है रीलर्न करना पड़ता है और वो कॉग्निशन में न्यूरो हमें क्या बता रहा है किस तरह हम अपनी वो चीजें मजबूत करें जिससे हम ज्यादा सीख सकते हैं अच्छा सीख सकते हैं बेहतर सीख सकते हैं तो मैंने उनको इधर बुलाया वो पूरे कराची गए اسلام اباد गए इधर टॉक किया और उन्होंने हमें एक तोहफा दे दिया तोहफा क्या था तोहफा था कि आप हमारा बस शर्त ये है उर्दू में बना दें when we started going there, COVID happened. <clears throat> now, COVID, I hate to say it, was a blessing in this regard because everybody went online. Nobody here was teaching online. But after COVID, everybody was teaching online. experiments. Steep learning curve. And we formed a learning institute here, a learning and teaching center, which really propelled almost half of our faculty took developmental courses to, you know, you can't do what you do in the classroom on a platform, as you know, right? So there was that learning taking place, new courses were coming up. And so I said, we can't just do this alone. Let's see what other universities are doing. So I asked some of the vice chancellors to meet and nine of them signed up and we hosted them here with HEC, we said, we want HEC in this. We said we need funding also from the World Bank. They said they had some money. Um, that our I was noticing that our core curriculum for all the universities have two required courses, only two. you know who they Pakistan
0: Studies and Islam.
1: Exactly. Abhi tak wo hi hai. Ab unhone do-three saal mein soch-soch ke usko badha diya. So unhone 11 or add kiye from different buckets. Okay? So you have choice. You can make your core थीक थीक अगर, what if we dream that we take the best universities who can make these world class standard courses and offer them to all universities in Pakistan for free So quality will be improved Now it's not Lums or AOU or NUST or Agha Khan Leave them Course is a course This is HEC offering Call it Pakistan edX Okay And we can have our own. We now have Lums and other universities have their own. So this became a strategic priority for the university. We are building the largest repository of online courses, asynchronous, hybrid, um, and so on. And now those nine universities that met, we met again in uh, Islamabad the next time, at Nast actually. And the quality pe focus, kia, ke what will be the quality criteria that meet the threshold for these courses? And now we're meeting in Hazara University uh, on the 9th of December to uh, go forward with this program. So this is a very high impact, a lot of collaboration, and all students in, mm. in the higher education system will have access to those courses at almost zero cost. Mm. So that to me
0: is a great success story. And these are add-on courses or do they directly impact your uh, credit hours as well?
1: No, these are core courses. They have to take them. Students Achha. have to take these courses. Now it'll be up to the university. Say your university X. And mm-hmm. have Lums' 10 courses, nasne, <coughs> <aapne> chai, <coughs> another unit, which are 13. 5,
0: 6, 8, 10 courses. offer kar Asynchronous. So, hazara thousand university student says, I have to take this course with this course, and I have to take this course with this course, and I have to take it online. Yes. And you can take it online. And
1: you don't need to take it online. they are uh, self-assessed. Not self-assessed. They are uh, uh, asynchronous.
0: So, there is no live portion in this. there's so, it's video on demand. And it's basically... It's
1: not just video. It's a carefully designed and curated course where you have uh, assessments as you move along. Right. And uh, uh, they are uh, more robust than some of our classroom-based courses. And I can say this with some confidence because I, did a special, I built a specialization while I was at uh, McMaster in Hamilton. So this was back in 19... Uh, sorry, in, uh, this was about seven years ago. Hmm. I built five courses in a specialization for finance it's called finance for everyone you know how many people have taken my course over a 100000 students i don't teach it yeah banaya main chala gaya ab uske paise bhi jo aa rahe hain udhar hi ja rahe hain mere jeb mein to ek pai nahi aaye hain main khush hu isliye meri khwahish yehi thi ki log mujhse seekhe impact again right? impact yeah total impact so now it will be up to the university x to say Okay, are we going to make these available? Are we going to allow them with our in-class courses as well? Or they won't have to, those teachers don't have to teach those courses, they can teach something else. Or shortage of teachers, it's a win-win. Makes sense. Right? So this is one example. I want to give you another example of collaboration. Young university, four years old. Okay. VC comes up and says dekhe, aap, uh, international airport airport. You have to come and see what's going on. So much to offer to Pakistan. So I was very much interested. So, to make a long story short, after many conversations, I took a team. Of our <coughs> faculty and some of our senior leaders, and uh, uh, we did a twinning program. Twinning meaning: that we will make five courses together, so design from scratch. The condition that these courses 80% will be field-based, so people learn in natural environments. Classroom will not be there. You will be on a biplane, or you will be a lake, or you know, in a shop. तो डिजाइन इस तरह का था तो वो इधर आए कोर्सेस डिजाइन करने के लिए तो पांच कोर्सेस जो हमने चुने एक पानी पर है एक एनर्जी पर है एक एंटरप्रेन्योरशिप एंड लाइफ साइंस तो इसमें मिलके उन्होंने अच्छा, was अच्छा डील वाज हर क्लास में in लोग होंगे सो so, uh, 300 students. सॉरी हाउ मेनी to 5. 250 but we ended up with 300 anyway okay our um, sorry it was 30 students from each university right. so 60 times 5 300 so uh, we had 30 from lums 30 from UOB so this all we met last July we offered 300 people live together for a month in अच्छा। Skardu you ever gone? I've been recently you know there are 300 people there are no mistakes in Skardu
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> और wo भी peak month में july mein में, right you know we said logistical issues hain we'll overcome them we did we worked like crazy aur wahan par wo bichare jo gaye shuru shuru mein main bichara keh raha hu isliye wahan par wo wo ho gayi thi sliding ho gayi thi right fir na pani tha unka peene uh, you know, hang in there, hang in there we, we tried to solve as many problems When I visited them on the last day When they were graduating Not one person wanted to come back uh-huh. Not one You can leave your laptop outside Nobody cares There's no theft uh, Women uh, We didn't know that in a family If there are six people three men, three women and only two can go to school, it will be the girls. Acha. Yes. And these how come they live so much longer? You know, simple people. Hmm. Very, very, uh, they love Pakistan. They are very nationalistic. You know, they are very idealistic. They want to get things done. Menti people. Mm. So this is the kind of collaboration In natural <clears throat> environments Which we don't do mm. Now what if we start doing that And today it's us and U of B. Tomorrow it can be Another university doing, doing A twinning program right? And then the third point is When you do get international students here mm. They Understand it's not a dangerous place That narrative that Pakistan Is a banned Danger zone You don't Toh, I mean,
0: they, they're essentially going to become your biggest ambassadors. Right? Sorry? They're going to end up becoming your biggest ambassadors. You don't need anyone else, essentially. Yeah, yeah,
1: that. But, but, you know, the other thing is that we constantly give, we fall into the trap of a problem space that there are so bad things If
0: you to be in Dubai. I not but obviously I saw it on digital. Huh. The, how did we win number two in the world? Mm. Because we
1: talked about our heritage. We yeah. talked about the learning.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and when the world sees that side, they say, jana zaruri hai. Aap climate change. Ka baat kar rahe the. the third pole is in Pakistan. Mm. North Pole, South Pole, the idara hai, jahan par frozen ice is in the Himalayas. Yeah. Ten biggest peaks in the world are here. Yeah. Ten bigger river systems and basins are here. Where are you going? You need data, you are going to come here.
0: If
1: you have water, infectious disease, any subject you have to take, the most data will get in Pakistan. So hmm. research opportunities are here. right You know, high impact interventions are here. And all of that has, the universities have, I think, a moral obligation to showcase examples of collaboration with so much space uh, with international universities, in particular with regional universities. Our obsession with the West has to be tempered with the countries you were talking about. All the stans Tajikistan, Azerbaijan, you know, Uzbekistan, you name it, wo countries, hai, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Hammary, Pas Vasi students, Atipale. And all international students, the rest of the world, the other way around. Yeah. They pay more to come. So yeah. we have to come out of this. China is there. I mean, come on. How many Chinese students do you see at Lump's? Yeah. Not many. We have to change that. We have to think about... Just as we learn from diversity from our regions, we learn even more from
0: internationalization. So do you think you're going to be going in that direction and trying to solve that Where problem? Well, I don't think, I know we are. This uh-huh. is a done deal. And in terms <coughs> of the infrastructure, I know that you're constrained now by land. Do you think, chale, I'm not asking you to go to Islamabad, I mean, it is law university after all, but um, do you think <coughs> it could become a multi-location campus? <laughs> campus maybe schools could uh, you know sort of branch out uh, expansion potential because when you mentioned collaboration whether it's within and uh, regional um, I'm obviously i capped at 5,000 and I'm going to now cut off some Pakistanis to get some regional kids in or I can say I can go to 6,000 8,000 10,000 depending on the scale and yeah. I think scale is going to aggressively grow uh, and the demand is going to aggressively grow in the coming years, considering the sure. number of the, of the uh, young people really coming into this, the system, right? In case case, how do you uh, plan to expand?
1: Well, you know, traditionally we've been having a growth of about 10% each year. Right. You know, but we have some hard constraints with a 100 acre campus. You can only have so many people in here. Yeah. Although we are building a new uh, central building complex, this will be the first building in, I think, any university in the world where instead of a new school, we are going to put six centers working side by side with industry, uh, with each other. You know, right. interdisciplinary learning without borders is the yeah. you know uh, perspective through which we look at. And that's happening within this campus? Yeah, we're gonna break ground soon. We've been designing this building now for two and a half years. We just got funding for it. And it's going to, uh, uh, hopefully in a year and a half or two, we'll have a new building here. But this is the new face of the university, which is collaboration, which is uh, integration, and which is, uh, you know, working with industry, which is very here. Right? Mm, mm. So growth prospects, okay. what is Islamabad? What is I'll tell you, Dubai can go to Sri Lanka, we can go to in niche areas, mein we can do some programming for training, can run a niche program, but not another lumps, hmm. not another multi-campus operations. No, nee, so know,
0: multi-campus, I'm not necessarily saying <coughs> make get a multi-city campus operation. I'm saying, yeah. within Lahore, if scale hai, to hmm. aisa potentially that U Block are, I believe जहाँ U Block oh, is. Uh, so U Block campus let let's say humanities का social sciences ka school है, engineering का school है वो पहरिया town में, again दुनिया में बहुत सारे ऐसी वो हैं कि जिसमें एक शहर होता है उसमें अगर downtown area होता है there are buildings, and drive different school. They implement it and eventually universities, 45,000, 50,000, 60,000 are to those universities.
1: There are ambitions Although there is, you know, if you're talking about a radius that is accessible. Because even now, coming to one campus, people spend residential but uh, yes, I can see perhaps a special zone where we encourage certain types of programs, perhaps in computer science and in AI and in Pakistan. Maybe we can think of a sort of a little valley. Right. Uh, the idea of bringing very smart startups in one. We have the National Incubation Center here, which is doing, mashallah, very well. And um, that could be scaled up. That makes perfect sense. Uh, we have the Rousing Executive Development Center, as old as lumps, mm. which has trained 37,000 managers around, uh, you know, for the span of time. They've had a huge impact on management training, right? Mm. So if you add those things up, yes, those are possibilities. Uh, right. We definitely can do that, but not replicate
0: faculty here, ye, ye sense. Ye sense. Hai. So, 10 you have you limit? Hai. According to our zoning laws, you can't go more than seven floors now. Right. Do you so, think you might acquire some other buildings close by?
1: Maybe for residential purposes and certainly maybe for some of the things you mentioned earlier on. But uh, I think academics
0: our, should like to keep here
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's one of the draws. You know, you don't get a lot of salary, but you get access to world-class facilities. You walk around here, you will see we have all the athletic facilities. We also have a biodiversity here. Did you know that we have all the trees of Punjab on this campus? Acha, 105 species. Every single that's available in Punjab. Almost every, we geotagged them. Mm. And we found that because of those, we get birds from Central Asia, We've got thousands of birds that initially I came here. I said, Yar, ye koi lagta hai I'm in a, uh, you know, some sort of a, what do you call them? Uh, um, Arboretum or something like yeah. that, you know. They also give you peace of mind. But, you know, there's an ecology here yeah. of, of yeah. real uh, life beyond. We, we can learn from that. Makes it right? so. So that's we want to preserve
0: that, not make this into a concrete jungle. Makes no. sense. Green is important. Yeah. We're at the one hour forty-eight minute mark, and so I'd like to wrap this up. And I know that I mean, many personally, there are that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, there's just so much to unpack here. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, generally, I'm going to ask, generally, Look, as a Pakistan, I'm a major issue. Hamari identity Kender, we're very confused in a way that we don't really know a lot about our history. Right? And so uh, and unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of work that's been done in that area as well. I know that Lums has a history department, mm-hmm. and so um I hope to see more coming out from there to be able to, that, that that people can consume and begin to make sense of that identity. Yes. But within that identity, there is another very important aspect, and that is religion. And a certain at a certain time, <coughs> what began to happen was that we sort of diverged into two very specific areas. And I think my belief is that after British time, after that, when we started to be the, the school of learning jis mein hua ye modern day ke religion which became a very integral and inherent part of your, your identity when you jab baat philosophy humanities whatever, jab baat aati hai kisi bhi cheez different area of learning and when it comes to religion, it gives you a different type of people You go and play and make whatever mixed-plate you want out of it <laughs> um, And so, I will tell you my cousin, you know, he wanted to get into or He wanted to go into, uh, you know, religious uh, academia And so he flew from Karachi He'd just come from the US and he flew from Karachi and came to Islamabad And he went to the International Islamic University thinking that the, as the name suggests, <coughs> this is where the Islamic academic learning would be taking place. And you'd be surprised. There's, I mean, there's a bachelor's in Islamiyat and there's a master's in Islamia, but there's sure. no legitimate programming of that sort. And so, what happens? It's very uncomfortable conversation. Because a lot of people are like, we focus on the world. We don't want to... Religion in Pakistan is very confusing. You go to the corporate sector, you go to the academia circle. So you say, yeah, do religion. And who is because completely disconnect kiya, then he <coughs> gave it to individuals who took it, branded it, portrayed it in a way that now you don't connect it with it at all. Right. You go to Malaysia, you go to Egypt, mm-hmm. you go to any other Muslim country in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And religious academia is a very integral part of their academic structure. Mm-hmm. And in a way the way that they're working in a multidisciplinary way is just outstanding I've mm-hmm. seen Malaysia mein dekhta hun, you know, the mm-hmm. way that their religious scholars academics work with their medical in Pakistan we don't know that we're very religious there are a lot of things and you're saying doctors are saying they're doing something else they're working on there and they're telling what they're saying and so on, and so on. do you think your humanities ka school is do you think at some point you would begin to expand into minors at the very least where Pure hardcore academic, um, you know, areas of religion or religious philosophy—let's call it that—could begin to be explored uh, by young scholars. Uh, where such an such a, a, an area, which is very important for your country, for your region, will completely ignored. Uh, you know, if we can, if we can explore sociology, if we yeah. can explore a lot of other disciplines, why not religion? What do you think?
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's a good question. I, I think other countries, as you mentioned, have done and modeled for us ways forward for that. Uh, I would include Iran in that, by the way. Right? They have done. They have some amazing religious scholars who really have gone into a level that we can't even imagine right now. And a lot we can learn. They are our neighbors, and you know we have so much more in common with Indonesia and Malaysia than we do, let's say, with European countries in that regard. Yeah. So uh, I don't see any boundaries we should artificially draw uh, around any discipline, including religion. Uh, religious studies is a, a normal part of the curriculum in any part of the world, yeah. you know, it, uh, irrespective of geography, right? And when we start thinking of what appears to be difficult subjects in Pakistan, like religion, and you mentioned gender. yeah, Yes, that, uh, you know, if you look at any any kind of metric in terms of where is Pakistan, in terms of gender, equity, equality, inclusiveness, it's embarrassing, yeah, really embarrassing. But then we find, as we did, with some small interventions, you can have huge, huge impacts. Right. Business school, which is predominantly male, right? We wanted to change that. So we said, what if we give a 50% scholarship to any woman who applies in our graduate programs? Mm. MBA, EMBA, MS programs, you know what happened? Within two years, 6% proportion went up to 34%. So qualitatively numbers have changed. And spillover in the classroom. I mean, you know, females look at things differently. Right. And rightfully so. They have different contributions. Then the case studies, which is predominantly the business school pedagogy, they had to choose different cases. So the ripple effect starts to happen as you start thinking out of the box in how can you fast-track in areas which are really, truly important. The Sahida Waheed uh, Gender Institute at Lums, you know, if you look at their uh, archive for uh, women's um, uh, studies, history, sorry, women's history, (laughs) mind-boggling, you know. So we want to create a permanent, if not... uh, uh, you know, rolling uh, 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 preserve for, for this work, for this scholarship. And not everything can be digitized. Right. You can't, you know, there's limits to digitization. Mm. You need to touch a book sometimes. You yeah, need yeah, to yeah. see the archives. And so this new building will showcase a museum, permanent and otherwise as we will have an auditorium as we will have some uh, uh, very energy efficient green initiatives that we are very keen on so i think religion is uh, rightfully so good question you're asking where we're pushing the boundaries in the wrong direction mm. and we're making taboo subjects out of areas which really should be explored because i don't think islam at any point said you should not question yeah absolutely and questioning is the root of curiosity is the is the root of learning. Yeah. And if it's
0: you, very prevalent in our history as well. I mean, most yes. of the Islamic <laughs> philosophers of, of the greatest <clears throat> ones of our time were the ones who were hardcore academics, really just trying to figure oh, out not both. just philosophers, we had mathematicians, we yeah.
1: had uh discipline, they clean up. A lot of what the Greeks borrowed came from Islamic studies, right? Yeah.
0: And I think it context. It's 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 what's happening and how and the language that's missing. Uh Gender studies is a remarkable example because your, your, your population understands Islam but the current language of how gender studies is being put out is something that they don't understand and that's where the interdisciplinary because gender I try to look at what other Muslim countries are doing and a lot of what they did was they when they went and explored gender they also connected it with Academics from religion and when they coupled that and in a multidisciplinary way, shared their findings, yeah. it was much more mm-hmm. contextualized and consumed consumable for their population because it was contextual to them. Yes. And the change was much faster. Or maybe why are we stuck? Like this is not these ideas are not opposed to to, to, to what yeah. you believe in.
1: But I think we have to remember something also that here we are and talking about higher education, but a lot of this has to happen K to 12. Right. A lot of it has to happen perhaps K to 3, K to 6. Those are formative. You know by the time your kid is 3 years old, they've already got their personality pretty much down pat. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's when they're really curious. Mm-hmm. You know, why is the sky blue? Why is Why is and by the time they're in university, hmm. This is this is something wrong with the system that is getting naturally curious human beings yeah. to become so bound in their own bubbles yeah. that they can't, you know, uh, they stop learning as much, right? So I think when we talk about things like religion. Or when we talk about these contexts, abhi kya hota hai? look, you know the numbers better than me. Uh, 30 million, 40 million, 50 million are dropping out even yeah. before they get to high school, right? The people they respect, mm. you know, teachers are uh, among the high high in the policemen, teachers, you know, not politicians, are right. high in the pecking order. Yeah. But so are the Molvis. Yeah. So, unse sunte. Now, it's back to your point about education. Mm. If all of those people haven't had a chance to be educated, they're going to tell you, "Is there is taramaro, is there is tar." is unki a to choti hoti jati hai. so I think we have to think system wide, and uh, it's not going to be through a single national curriculum. Mm. It's not going to be through some silver bullet that you just put in there. Everybody eats hamburgers, so we're all going to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, actually, think about the hamburger metaphor again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most unhealthy thing you can have, and we have seen that you know one size does not fit all. So uh, I think we need a rethink right from the get-go when our youth are uh, in their formative stages. We need to value these teachers we need to uh, you know give them the dignity and the purpose for which they are serving us um, and uh, we need to connect the dots mm. right from the get-go so that we can think about the well-being of our nation and beyond because this is a, a a developmental problem for humanity not just Pakistan mm. um, ye hamara jo masla hai jo obstacles hain main phir woh usi baat par aata hu uske sath opportunities bhi hain mm. so we have to see both
0: and you know wo jo fasla hai usko hame kam karna hai kam karna i'm going to ask you the last question uh, generally mai tamam guest se puchta hu you know you spent a fairly large amount of time in canada when yeah. um, you took the plunge to come to pakistan um, one can hear this sort of um, self-awareness or self-actualization where you're primarily driven more by impact to be very honest yeah. than anything else right now and so impact comes when we believe and so you have seen something and you will understand unfortunately but se, Pakistan every now and then hai. Aaj bhi, aaj bhi hai. How do you see Pakistan 28 years from now in 2050 knowing what you know now seeing what you've seen uh, globally uh, as you've travelled but also over the last five years as you've gotten to reconnect uh, and rediscover Pakistan more after all these years. How do you see Pakistan in 2050?
1: Well, I, I see Pakistan with, with the glass not just half full, but pretty much brimming right up to the top. I mean, you know, hope is not something that you empirically determine historically. It's something that determines where you will go in the future. You know, it guides you. It, it, it's the spark that propels us forward. And I'm full of hope for Pakistan. And as you say, Abi, aisa hai, uh, You know, we are in a... Times where uh, difficulties, challenges are there for sure, but it's not, it's not the first time. You have to remember, we're a young country. We're only 75 years old. Look at other countries. How long did it take the US to get uh, uh, women the right to vote, or blacks for that matter, or for minorities to have the status that they do? This is like time. So let's not be impatient, number one. You know, we will, like many other countries, we will, actually, we've done those things much faster than they did. There are many things we've done, we just don't count our blessings enough. We don't have a view of appreciation as a starting point. If you start with a problem, you're going to stay at the problem space. If you start with, you know, what's working, then you think, okay, what are the gaps? It's much easier to, uh, close that gap than if you're stuck in the problem space. And here I think everyone is uh, an expert in, uh, you know, in everything, yeah. especially politics. Right? Everybody's an expert. So I th- we, we, we need to be a little more humble about that. I see Pakistan as a, a, a country that has all the natural resources where we can start thinking about um, high-impact interventions to involve uh, especially the young My hope lies especially with the young. I think they are the ones who are going to give us a true sense of our self-actualization. If there's a couple of caveats here, one of them is treat them as equals. Treat them as partners, not as clients, not as someone who you are performing to, but make them true partners. And our educational institutions must do that from the get-go. So we have, for example, Pedagogical Partnerships. It's a fancy name for saying that if we design a course, students have to be on the table. If we go to a place and research, they will write together. And publishing, they will be the name of their own. If they contribute, but we will give them a chance, then will do it. If you present at a conference, you will be with you. If you work in university, you have a store, you are running some functional areas, why aren't your students working there? If you make decisions the decisions. are in how many students are sitting there? How many of them have been elected, not as a union, not as an agitating body, but one who are two partners in the academic enterprise? Why can't that happen at any level in every organization? Where, uh, you know, the novices get a chance to be apprenticed, and to be equal partners with those who have more experience. I think that is essential and that is what's going to give Pakistan an edge because we're the youngest. We're the fifth youngest uh, and we are uh, also demographically and also historically. You know, maybe we're the second youngest in South Asia after Afghanistan. Right? So I think all of this adds up to me as
0: my goodness, where else in the world can you do this other than in Pakistan? Makes sense, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time out. This was a long conversation, uh, but you know, but patiently we insight and, you know, it's exciting what you're doing. You're doing God's work. So thank you so much for your service. Um, you know, I, I think education is a lot of work timeless uh joke legacy jo hai wo, uh aapke jaane ke sakti hai. And, and I think that Inshare. sort of a service is something you uh, you know again from from me from from the nation thank you for your service. Thank you for all your good questions and glad you were here and for all of you guys thank you so much for watching if you like this episode like this video, you can like this video, youtube like and if you on you join facebook you can on the link, you can join tbt community join kar sakte. Bhi karte. you can join that as well Audio platforms, wali subscribe if you like episode, notification Agar aap kisi baat se agree or karte what are your thoughts on on uh, the education system of pakistan what are your thoughts on uh, you know higher education, universities uh, uh jo regular schooling. Hoti hai, let me know in the comment section below. sada if you'd like to support the channel, we accept anything from one rupee two as much as you'd like. It's the thought that counts. But this was Sayyid You are watching Thought Behind Things. Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you in the next one.